1972, Title IX was signed into law. This prohibited discrimination based on sex and changed the game for girls and women in sports across the nation. To learn more, the Greater Columbus Sports Commission and iHeartRadio invite you to listen to the new podcast, Starting Nine Up. Celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX with nine stories about girls and women's sports with the Columbus Connection. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform. Greater Columbus Sports Commission is proud to celebrate the history of women's athletes and the 50th anniversary of Title IX with a new podcast. The Starting Nine Up podcast will feature some of the most important female voices in local sports. Hosted by iHeartMedia's Matt McCoy, Starting Nine Up explores stories you may be familiar with and others you might be hearing for the first time. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, here we go. It's that time again. Matt Connerton unleashed. So I try to adjust this. Uh, here we go. Those of you watching online can see me adjusting the, the monitor here. Uh-oh. I'll have to fix that. <laughs> Something just... Oh, I see it. Something just popped off. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for the technical kerfuffle right at the beginning of the show. And I forgot to mute my phone. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for everything. Oh, boy, I usually, usually uh, everything uh, goes off without a hitch here, nice and smooth, but I've been a little distracted, but it's it's actually been a good day. We'll get into all of that in a moment, but of course, uh, welcome to the show here. It is Matt Connerton Unleashed, and we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. And you can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Today is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Welcome, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I do want to remind you, of course, that we are proudly sponsored by the Hopknot on Elm. They've got those delicious gourmet pretzels that you've heard so much about and the craft beer. Don't go there today, however, because Monday and Tuesday is their weekend, but they are open Wednesday through Sunday, and it is an amazing place, and uh, the food is great, the service is great, and a wonderful family that owns and operates it, and they're very active in the local community here. Thursday nights, they have Trivia Night hosted by the great Bill Cini. They have live music on Fridays. They've got another Gender Blender event coming up February 5th at 10 p.m. They've got a lot going on there, and it's going to be a very busy year at the Hopknot as we proceed through 2022. So uh, please continue to support them. Uh, Coming up, uh, of course, uh, today is Tuesday, which means coming up on the show in the second hour, we'll be joined by Mike Sutterth for his weekly Tweakonomics segment. Uh, This week, it's Tweakonomics Gone Global, apparently. Uh, uh, Gone Global, that reminds me of a a friend of ours who uh, appears on the show. He used to uh, 
Uh, at one point, he called his show, well, let at large gone global. Well, today it's Tweakonomics uh, gone global. So those of you who've um, been listeners of Matt Connerton Unleashed for a very long time uh, might know the reference. But uh, anyway, we've been at this for a long time. Uh, it was um, about 10 and a half years ago that I started the show as a podcast. But coming up um, in April, it will be five years that I've been doing this program right here at WMNH 95.3. Coming up on five years, the time goes so very, very quickly. Uh, if you'd like to join us today, 603-250-6007 is the number. 603-250-6007. You can also text me at 617-917-4476. Tweet me at Matt Connerton or send an email to Matt at mattconnerton.com. Uh, and of course, you can interact and opine in the Facebook live chat, and we will say hello to everyone in there in a moment. But the best thing to do so that we may hear and enjoy your dulcet tones is to give us a call at 603-250-6007. And let's go ahead and say hello to everybody in the Facebook live chat. I see Wayne Noel joins us from the great state of Michigan. Hello, Wayne. Uh, Mike Pelopita joins us, of course, from Queen City Cabinetry, another one of our fantastic sponsors here at WMNH 95.3 in the historic Sunbeam Mall. You can bring your kitchen to life with Queen City Cabinetry. Uh, Jenny is in the chat room, of course, and says, Shalom, peeps. Uh, Eric uh, Gagnon, uh, also known as EZG, our retired entertainment reporter, says, Are you ready for the return of Ronda Rousey? Yeehaw! Yes, that is the rumor that Ronda Rousey will be making her triumphant return to WWE at the Royal Rumble. Perhaps she'll win. Perhaps she'll win the whole thing. Uh, if they're going to use her at the Royal Rumble, of course, they're probably going to want to have her win it. And then she will go on to uh, headline WrestleMania again. She's still a big draw. And EZG says only 11 months to Santa. Oh, boy. Christmas is coming again already. Just uh, in 11 months. Uh, Isaiah Aline joins us in the chat and says, Hey everyone, love you all. Hope you all have a wonderful day. We hope you have a wonderful day, Isaiah. Isaiah, of course, uh, you may be familiar. He's the Illuminati uh, candidate, uh, in the 2024, uh, presidential election. And I am being considered and I am uh, considering whether or not to accept Isaiah's invitation to become his, his running mate, his veep. And uh, I have to tell you, uh, being uh, being vice president, it, it does appeal to me. I, I understand that the role is, in some ways, largely ceremonial. Uh, there was, uh, uh, who was it who said, uh, someone had, had said once that, a uh, long time ago in history, someone who said that the, the job of vice president isn't worth, uh, isn't worth a bucket of spit or something. And uh, someone else said they didn't want to be vice president because they didn't want to spend four years going to funerals. But I must tell you, I am intrigued uh, by the idea being a heartbeat away from the presidency. It, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen the show. If any of you have ever, ever seen the show Veep, uh, great show uh, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who, of course, played Elaine on Seinfeld. Jenny and I have been watching some old Seinfeld episodes on the Netflix but uh, Veep is uh, a great show. Very funny. Eric Street joins us in the Facebook live chat. Hello, Eric. Eric says nine or ten months until the Christmas decorations come out again. Oh, boy. Well, let's just get through this winter, please. My goodness. My goodness. All right. Well, 
quick uh, update on uh, on my dad. Now, I, I don't think we've talked about my dad much on the show uh, as much as, you know, people uh, who follow me on social media, on the Facebook, uh, know the situation. But, um, you know, my father, uh, and he, he's probably listening, or he'll listen to this later, and, and we'll hear all of this, but... Uh, uh, and, and there was a time... By the way, and out of respect for him, I wouldn't say too much about any of this because, you know, he is a private person and whatnot. But but uh, but I, I know that uh, from talking to him, he also he, he understands and appreciates that uh, because he's been uh, a caller uh, into this show and because he finally came around and, and decided to get on Facebook and interact with a lot of my friends and listeners of the show and, and so forth. Um, you know, that, uh, uh, people have gotten to know him and, and he is well loved. And, uh, uh, somebody, uh, uh, Dirk Don of arrogant media said, yeah, my, my, in one of his videos, he said, Martin Connerton is a saint. And I think it was Eric Pilcher who does our classic film review here every Friday, who said that, uh, he said online that Martin Connerton is a national treasure. So, so, uh, dad is, is loved. And, uh, and and I know he appreciates that and feels that. And he's back on on the Facebook now that he's home from the hospital. So, you know, it, but but we had a little bit of a saga uh, that, 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 that finally resolved itself in an unexpected and surprising. Um, actually, that was redundant of me. I apologize. Un- unexpected and surprising. Wow. Uh, those are uh, synonyms. I'm sorry. I try. I really do strive never to be redundant or monotonous or repeat myself there's a little joke in there anyway um i really try not to do that i i make an effort not to to do that i endeavor to uh to avoid doing that anyway so um but but so what had happened was you know my dad he was uh at shaw's uh in dover in dover new hampshire and he wasn't feeling well and he went out to the car and he uh, called an ambulance and, and they, uh, they came and they brought him, it was a cardiac issue. Uh, so they brought him to Wentworth Douglas hospital and, uh, Wentworth Douglas had to send him to mass general, uh, for heart surgery. And, um, and then mass general, uh, when they were ready to release him, they sent him back up here to New Hampshire. They sent him to Northeast. Is that what it's a Northeastern? rehabilitation uh, hospital in Portsmouth is, you know, for cardiac rehab. And, uh, and then he got out today, but so, and, and from very early on, everyone I uh, spoke to said that um, was, was very optimistic that he was going to be fine. Uh, when Wentworth Douglas initially called me, uh, the nurse who called me said, you know, he'll be fine. He's in good hands. Uh, the, the doctor, Dr. D'Alessandro at uh, Mass General, who I, I spoke with the surgeon, who did the surgery on my dad was, was very positive and whatnot the night that I talked to him after he had done the surgery and so forth. And, and, um, my father throughout all of this, you know, we were talking today, I, I had to go and pick him up today. And, uh, he said that, um, throughout all of this, he, he got great care. So he has no complaints about any of that. Uh, great care all around from Wentworth Douglas, from mass general and, uh, the, the cardiac rehab in Portsmouth. He, he said phenomenal, all around, everybody was great, and he he knew that he was in in really good hands and and uh, would be uh, on the mend, um, health wise. 
But the the thing that went wrong in all of this is, uh, and it, it led to a lot of unnecessary stress and frustration and aggravation, which again did resolve today in a surprising way. Um, but uh, they lost my dad's car keys in the midst of all of this. Um, his wallet and his cell phone were locked in the car, but his car keys, and he remembers seeing them being put into a bag for him uh, when the ambulance came and got him. His car keys, his clothes, you know, the new jacket that he had bought, his new boots, he had, he had gone clothes shopping recently. All of that was lost. No one could find it. Uh, and this was particularly frustrating uh, because of the car keys. It would be one thing if they only lost the clothes. That's annoying enough. But they lost his car keys. And this became a problem, a, a bit of a puzzle that we had to solve because he did not have another set. Um, he did have another set at one time, but he, uh, in a, a previous uh, apartment that he had lived in, there was a fire in the building and the keys got lost in the fire. So he didn't have uh, an extra set any longer in the, you know, he's now in a new place. He's been in a new place for, for a bit, but, um, but anyway, so no car keys, they're lost. And this was very frustrating to him. And he complained to, I think they call it uh, at Wentworth uh, Douglas, they call it uh, uh, the patient uh, experience team or something. And uh, had several conversations with them and they said, okay, we'll look again. And they checked with security and they checked with Mass General and they checked. Da, 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 da. No one can find the stuff. It, it's like it just vanished. And the problem that this caused was, so we couldn't get in into the car. And um, I tried. I I. So I talked to I talked to the management at Shaw's because the car was left in the in the Shaw's parking lot in Dover. So I talked to the management there. Now I, I have I have several uh, people I want to just give very public shout outs to who who were wonderful throughout this whole thing. The management at Shaw's in Dover, New Hampshire. Um, Joe, uh, a gentleman named Joe, who was the first person I talked to, who was the assistant manager there. And then today I called there and talked to Peter, who is the store manager there. Um, great guys. Uh, just They were just lovely throughout all of this because a lot of places, if you're going to leave your car overnight for even one night and, and you tell somebody there, hey, i uh, got to leave my car here, um, they give you a hard time. Oh, you can't do that. and We're going to have you towed away if you do that. And if, these guys... I explained the situation to them, and they were amazing. They were very, very kind, and um, but they did want the car removed, not because you know. I mean, they were very sympathetic, but the the one thing that they were concerned about was it's a big plaza, and they've got a landlord, and there's other stores in the plaza, and they were just concerned that at some point the management company that runs the property was going to say something about, hey, why is this car, whose car is this? Is this one of your employees? That they were going to say something and then they were going to do something like have the car removed or something. So that was their one concern. So they did tell me, uh, you know, please try to get the car out of here as soon as you can. We have no problem with it being here. We understand. We're sympathetic. We know it's not forever. We're just worried about, you know, eventually the management company is going to come calling and say, 
what's going on with this car. So just for your own sake, try to get it out of here as soon as possible. Um, but I kept having to tell them, okay, we got to wait a little bit longer. We got to wait a little bit longer. And they were wonderful. They were very, very patient with us. So that was great. So shout outs to the management at Shaw's and Dover. Lovely guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I tried to get AAA to grab the car and tow it home, tow it to my, my dad's residence so we could get it out of there. AAA wouldn't touch it. Uh, because it was both a lockout because we couldn't, we had no keys at all. Couldn't get into the car and, um, without the key, you know, you can put it into neutral. It's, it's not a, uh, automatic. It's a manual transmission, but, but the steering wheel is locked. So you can't unlock that without the key. AAA said, Nope, can't help you. I tried twice. Couldn't do it. Um, I talked to Nissan where he bought the car, Nissan in Summersworth, a gentleman named Mike who works in the parts department there. Again, very, very nice. Uh, so shout outs to them. They were also they were also great. But just because of the way things work, Mike said, um, you know, we can make new keys for the car, but the car has to be here for us to program the keys. You know, we, we, we don't have the capacity to send someone there or to, uh, you know, we don't have our own tow truck that we use or whatever. So you've got to get the car here and we can make new keys. Okay, great. But, you know, I was able to eventually get in the car because I finally I got AAA to let me into the car. And then I thought, well, maybe I can get Amica Insurance, my dad's insurance company, to tow the car because I... Once I was able to get into the car, I looked at his policy. Okay, he has free towing. Great. I'll call Amika. They can tow it. The guy tried, couldn't tow it. He could not get the car safely on the lift because the front wheels were locked. They were turned and the and locked. Uh, the steering wheel was locked and, you know, uh, can't do it. So, so then we're in this terrible situation where it's like, okay, Nissan can make keys, but they need the car there. But we can't get the car there because I can't find anyone to tow the car. No one wants to tow the car, which I guess is good in one sense because if the property manager at the Shaw's Plaza wants to tow the car, I guess you can't tow the car. They'd find a way to do it because I'm sure if, if they say, oh, someone's leaving their car here, they'll just have a wrecker company come who doesn't care if they damage the car and would just tow it regardless of whether or not the front wheels are locked and just drag it or whatever and just not care. Right, because cars do get towed all the time. <laughs> you know, here in the city of Manchester, if there's a snow emergency and you leave your car on the street during a snow emergency, they might come and grab your car. And they don't care that they don't have a key to your car and they don't care if those wheels are locked. They're going to break into your car effectively and they're going to tow it away. And if they damage it, they damage it. They don't care. They just say, hey, it's your fault. You shouldn't have left it on the street, right? But I can't get anybody to tow this car to get it to Nissan, to get the keys made. So then, um, you know, a couple people suggested, you know, having a locksmith come, one of these mobile locksmiths who will come and, and, uh, and do that for you, but they're expensive. And, uh, you know, we're not uh, made of money around here, so uh, we're trying to figure out a, a more economical way to do this. Uh, Nissan wasn't going to be very expensive, but to have a mobile locksmith come was. So then 
my friend Rich, uh, shout outs to Rich Burke if he's listening, From uh, he and I used to play in a band together called First Shove. He put me in touch with, and this is another individual I want to uh, give credit to, he put me in touch with uh, this gentleman named Pat. Um, Pat's Key and Lock, Inc. This is a business in uh, Salem, Salem, New Hampshire. They're not a sponsor. Uh, they don't, I don't get any money from them, but, but, uh, but they are wonderful, and I'll tell you why. Because my father is a veteran, Pat was willing to take care of this for us at no charge. Because apparently Pat from Pat's Key and Lock uh, does a lot with veterans, likes to help veterans. And my father's a veteran. He was a Navy SEAL during Vietnam. So, uh, so Rich put me in touch with Pat. Pat, very nice guy, very sweet, tried to help us, but he was running into an issue. I gave him the VIN, the vehicle identification number from the car. And he thought he'd be able to use that to get the code, have a key cut, boom, done. And it wouldn't cost anything. Um, I would just have to go and pick up the key. And then we can forget about Nissan and all that. Well, he encountered a problem. I guess there's a few different companies that he works with to get the key, the code from. I don't know how it all works exactly. I've never had to replace keys, but I guess he had to get the code using the VIN number and the first couple of companies that he tried, they couldn't give him a code for that VIN number for whatever reason. Uh, so he was working on, uh, he was trying to figure out, he was trying to find some way he could get the code for that VIN. It's like Nissan had it locked down or something, so only they could do it or something like that. I don't know. So he wasn't having any luck. And I and and I was talking to him, and he was feeling badly about it. He's like, I really want to help you. Your dad's a veteran. You know, I really want to help. So we're trying, but but so far, I, I can't get this key made. So, so then, today, the big day. Today, the day my dad is getting out of the hospital. So here's my father. He's gone through all this, the open heart surgery, and then they're working at him, working with him at the ca uh, cardiac rehab. All of that's going great. Happy to report. And he looks great. When I went to pick him up, my dad looked he looks strong, healthy. Uh, he seems like his normal self. So that is all wonderful. But, you know, he and I are talking about it on the phone uh, the night before. Like, you know, this is so frustrating. Health-wise... Things are, are in a, going in a very positive direction, but but this this one thing is so stressful. What are we going to do about the car? We just keep hitting one brick wall after another with this. And it shouldn't be this hard to just get some new keys for this, right? So then we make a plan. We hear this morning, uh, before I head down to get my dad, we hear from Mike at Nissan who tells us he can actually make a key that without the car being on site, he can actually make a key that will allow us to unlock the steering column so that the wheels aren't, aren't locked anymore. That way, at least if we can do that, we can get a tow truck to then take the car to Nissan. But we've got to get those wheels unlocked to do it. So it was possible just using the VIN not to make a coded key, but to make a key that will at least let us unlock the wheels, have the car towed to Nissan, and then Nissan 
could make the new keys. Okay, so that was the plan. That's what we were going to do. I was going to pick up my dad. We were going to go to Nissan, get that key, go to Shaw's, unlock the steering column, call the tow truck company, this tow truck company that Nissan recommended, have them come, tow the car over to Nissan, have Nissan make the new keys. And God only knows how long this was all going to take. And I, I may have ended up not being able to do a live show today. You might be hearing a best of right now, <laughs> right? This was going to be, it sounded like it was going to be quite a, but at least we had a plan, right? At least we had a plan. So here's the, the twist. Come on, baby, let's do the twist. Sorry, I can't use the word twist or even hear someone else using it without thinking of that song. It's how my brain is wired. So it's about that time to bring forth the rhythm and the rhyme. Again, that's how my brain works. It's about that time I go to pick up my father. Now, I had to bring him some things because, again, not only did they lose his car keys, they lost his clothes. So I had to bring him some some things. So I show up there with a couple of bags. I had to bring him some shoes. He didn't have shoes. He didn't, you know. So I bring him the stuff. And they let me in, even though their policy is no visitors because of COVID. I guess if you're actually picking someone up and you need to bring them something that they're going to need to leave, that, you know, they make an exception there. So there's some discretion with the rules. Otherwise, they don't allow visitors. So I couldn't go visit him while he was there. But, but they did let me in and up to his room to pick him up. So I go up there, I see him, and I'm really, by the way, I am so relieved when I walk into that room and see my father, because honestly, I, I didn't know, I was kind of girding myself a little bit for, I'm think, and I, I didn't say any of this to him, and, and I, I hope he doesn't mind hearing this, I, but um, I, was, I was actually kind of worried that, okay, haven't seen my dad in a while, you know, with COVID and whatnot. And, you know, I don't want to accidentally, I mean, we're both vaccinated, but I don't want to accidentally get him sick. That would be terrible uh, if I'm carrying something and don't know it. But also, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he's 74 now. He just had uh, a major heart, he just had major heart surgery. Am I going to walk into that room and he's kind of just not the strong guy? that I'm used to him being is this that moment, which I assume most of us have to face that moment where, you know, we, we are going to interact with one of our parents and you kind of realize for the first time, damn, they really are getting older. They really are, you know, they're, they're not as strong. They're not as, as vibrant maybe as they used to be. They're, they're getting older, as we all do, if we're lucky. If we're lucky, we get older, right? If you live long enough. And I was kind of, I know it sounds a little maudlin, but I was thinking about that. And I was like, he he just had a, this is a pretty big deal, a triple bypass and all this. You know, I just, I got to be prepared for my dad just might not be who I'm quite used to him being, which is, not only understandable, but to be expected at a certain point in life, right? And um, and not his fault, of course. You know, so this is all my own hang-up, but this is what's going on in my mind. 
you know, I was I was excited that he was getting out of the hospital completely now and 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 that everything looked good health wise. But I but I was a little bit worried. And I was worried too that all the stress of the car thing might have somehow negatively affected his recovery. But I'll tell you what, happy to say, I walked into that room and I looked at him. And I I immediately felt better because he looked great. You know, he's, he's sitting there. He had just finished eating. He's, you know, the nurse is bringing him paperwork. He's got to look at and fill out. And he, he looked, he looked like my dad, you know, he looked strong and he looked healthy and, you know, a little pale, but it's winter and the Connertons are pale, you know, we're Irish. (laughs) So no, but he looked really good. He looked really good. And, uh, God, that was a relief. <laughs> you know, like I said, I was girding myself for, you know, is he going to be, he's been through a lot and he's older, you know, but nope, nope. He's, he's still, uh, he's, he's still my dad, you know, he looked great. He was moving around well. And, um, God, that, that made me happy. That made me just relieved, but here's the best part of the whole thing. So for three weeks now, We've been dealing with this saga of the lost keys, and it's the one thing he's really annoyed by and frustrated with because, like I said, as far as the care that he got all the way around, fantastic. He's very, very happy with all of that. June 23rd, 1972, the world of women's sports changed forever. Now, 50 years after Title IX became law, we're celebrating with a podcast dedicated to women's stories, where we'll examine and amplify women who changed the face of sports as we know it today. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX with nine stories about girls in women's sports with a Columbus connection. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long-lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona, swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. But but he, but he he's in disbelief that they could be so careless as to lose his things. And security at Wentworth, Douglas uh, initially wasn't particularly helpful, and they didn't really seem that interested. And, you know, the, the uh, woman he talked to at, uh, at uh, patient experience or whatever they call it, at Wentworth Douglas was was nice and kind and, and and empathetic, but didn't have any solutions. Like you know, I'm sorry, Martin. No one can find your stuff. So here's what happens. So I'm standing there in the room with him at cardiac rehab to pick him up, waiting for you know them to finish processing his discharge and whatnot. 
I'm getting a call on my cell phone. I look at my phone. It says Wentworth Douglas on it. I'm like, this is weird. Why is Wentworth Douglas calling me right now? And uh, so I answer it. And it's, I forget her name, but it's the woman from from, uh, patient experience or patient relations, whatever. Um, And I'm thinking, oh, She's uh, she's calling me to follow up because she had talked to my dad earlier or my dad talked to her. It might be a better way of putting it because he was obviously frustrated. And um, she's following up with me now saying, you know, I hope your dad's not too upset or something like that. Right. No. You know what she said to me? She said, I have great news. We found your dad's things. So there you go. Somehow, they finally found my dad's things, including his car keys. Thank God. Uh, We were ecstatic. I mean, would have been nice if that had happened a lot sooner. Could have saved us a lot of unnecessary stress and aggravation and anguish and frustration. And uh, I mean, (laughs) Jesus. But, but. Thank God they they got to us before we had gone to Nissan and and went through all of that. We had this whole big plan, and then, uh, nope, there I am in the room waiting for them to discharge my dad. And and they call and say, yep, yeah, we've, we found his things. We've got his car keys. Just uh, swing by Wentworth Douglas when you leave there if you'd like and go to the front desk, and security will, will uh, give all of that to you. And so that's what we did. We got out of there. We went to Wentworth Douglas, got 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 his things, went to Shaw's, picked up his car, uh, followed him home to make sure he could get into his apartment. Okay, no problem there. And that was and that was it. You know, we we hung out and talked for a little bit. And uh, <sighs> thank God, my dad's home. He's doing well. He looks great. He seems seems healthy. Um, he's probably gonna retire now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so there you go at the last minute i mean we you know like i said our next destination was nissan at the last minute they came through and they found his damn car keys and we went and got his car out and i called shaws and i thanked those guys and and the peter the manager there was just like i'm so glad that everything's okay with your dad and i, I called pat at pat's key shop in uh Salem and dad called Mike at Nissan and there you go. There you go. The whole saga. But uh, there's a reason I've told you this uh, entire story. This is a cautionary tale. Um, If you have a heart attack, uh, don't let your keys out of your sight. That's, that's it. That's the, the, the lesson. No, of course you can't. When you're having a heart attack, you you know you're not thinking about where your things are. But don't don't trust that somebody else is going to worry about it for you, because apparently they're not necessarily going to. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's that's the story. That's the story of my dad and the keys. I hope you all found that riveting. Uh, I, I'm uh, going to be uh, looking into uh, making a documentary about the experience. But, uh, no, but dad, if you hear this, I love you. And I'm so glad you're okay. And, uh, there you go. And and I'm glad you're, you, you still, uh, look like and act like my dad, you know, cause someday, 
someday we all, you know, we're, we're going to, again, this is if we're lucky. Isn't it interesting that life is like that if you think about it? You know, if, if, if you're lucky, you get old and eventually fall apart. <laughs> That's what happens if you're lucky. That's the best case scenario for your life. <laughs> that you live long enough for everything to be, for the wheels to begin to fall off. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but nobody gets out alive. That's the thing about life. Nobody gets out alive. All right. Anyway, so that's the story. That's the story of my dad. Uh, 603-250-6007 is the number. 603-250-6007. Um, I think we will, uh, like, uh, just to remind you, if you're just joining us, it is Tuesday, so we'll be joined in the second hour by Mike Sutterth for his weekly uh, Tweakonomics segment. And... By the way, so uh, just a few, uh, we'll do a few quick things here um, because we only have about uh, 20 minutes or so left in the first hour of the show. But you may have noticed I opened with a Neil Young song, uh, Rockin' in the Free World. And I was, um, the reason Neil Young specifically was on my mind is uh, he has been in the news he wants all of his, oh, here it is. It's, uh, this is being reported in multiple news outlets, but this is interesting to me for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, we talk on the show a lot, a uh, uh, consistent uh, topic uh, has been uh, deplatforming and uh, arguments for and against it and uh, deplatforming, of course, went up when a company, uh, be it a social media company or a streaming service like Spotify, for example, when they decide to restrict your content or to remove you from your platform and how that all works and who it happens to and whether or not it's fair and all the ancillary uh, debates and arguments around that issue. But we find ourselves here in this particular instance in a situation where Spotify is not necessarily uh, the ones who are saying, okay, we have content here that may violate our community standards. Uh, I'm sure they don't call them community standards at Spotify because it's not social media, unlike Facebook, for example. But, um, but we have content on our platform that we don't necessarily object to as a company, but someone else whose content we also stream on our platform has a problem with this other content that is streaming. Um, in this case, a musician whose music is on the platform, this musician has a problem with some a, uh, podcast content that is streaming on Spotify. Here is what has happened. Uh, Reuters, this, is, uh, this article is from Reuters. Neil Young to Spotify, either remove my music or the Joe Rogan podcast. Now, I think we all know, if Neil Young is serious about this, we all know how this ends up. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know legally if, um, I don't know what kind of deals are in place and if Neil Young can even actually just say, uh, take my music off of Spotify. But if Spotify is in a position where they have to choose between Neil Young and Joe Rogan, they're going to go with Joe Rogan. I mean, you know, they didn't back a Brinks truck up to Joe Rogan's front door uh, just to turn around and say, oh, you know, we have an artist who has a problem with your show. So now you got to go. That's that's not going to happen. Um, but Rogan has come under some criticism, of course, for disinformation about vaccines. Um, 
he's not necessarily anti-vax, but he does he does kind of do a thing where he sort of downplays uh, COVID. He doesn't seem to think COVID is that big of a deal, I guess, because when he got COVID, you know, he's rich, so he was able to have access access to all these medications and treatments and quote unquote throw the kitchen sink at it, uh, as he put it in the video that he posted. So um, a lot of people I've I've noticed this. And I don't mean this as a criticism of Joe Rogan specifically, but um, I've noticed that some people who get COVID, uh, who, and I'm talking about people who are ideologically prone to sort of not take COVID seriously or to not necessarily be pro-vax. Some of these people, when they do inevitably get COVID, if it goes relatively well for them and they don't end up in the hospital or they don't end up terribly, terribly sick, they sort of, there's a narcissism that is endemic, if I may use that term, uh, I think in the belief systems of, of some of these folks who sort of lean that way and that they go, basically, well, I had COVID and I survived. So I don't see what the big deal is, you know, and that tends to be their attitude. Um, completely oblivious to the fact that, you know, uh, millions of other people have gotten it and died and our healthcare system is at the breaking point because our hospitals are, you know, like they, they, none of that matters to them. They just, they, they can only see inward and they say, well, for me, it wasn't a big deal. So I don't know what everyone's freaking out about. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just this narcissism of, well, it hasn't, uh, you know, it didn't kill me. So why are you worried about it? And it's just, it's, it's, it's just how some people are. And we live in a very narcissistic culture. And that's something we've learned through this pandemic is just how narcissistic and selfish our culture can be. But, um, so here's the uh, Reuters article. It says, uh, Neil Young has threatened to pull his music from Spotify streaming service in protest of its relationship with podcaster Joe Rogan, who the prolific singer-songwriter accuses of spreading misinformation about COVID-19, according to media reports. Young, who survived polio as a child, uh, briefly posted a letter on his website addressed to his manager and his record label, Warner Music, demanding that Spotify no longer carry his music. The letter was later deleted. That's interesting. Um, Young wrote in the letter, quote, I want you to let Spotify know immediately today that I want all my music off their platform. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. I am doing this because Spotify is... For, is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them, unquote. Rogan, 54, is the host of the Joe Rogan Experience, the top-rated podcast on Spotify, which has exclusive rights to the program. As of today, Young's music, including such songs as Heart of Gold, Rockin' in the Free World, and Old Man, was still available on the service, as was Rogan's podcast. Spotify, Warner Music Group, and the Joe Rogan Experience did not immediately respond to requests for comment. A representative for Young could not be reached. 
Rogan, who began his career as a stand-up comedian, has long stirred controversy with his views on the pandemic, government mandates, and vaccines to control the spread of the coronavirus. He has questioned the need for COVID-19 vaccines on his show and said he used ivermectin, an anti-parasite drug that has no proven benefit against COVID. In the letter, Young singled out one episode in which Rogan, uh, in which a Rogan guest was pushing debunked anti-vaccine theories. Young's letter noted that Rogan's podcast draws 11 million listeners each episode and highlighted that Spotify lacks a misinformation policy. Spotify began carrying Rogan's podcast in September as part of its efforts to transform itself into the Netflix of audio. Rogan maintains full creative control over the show. Earlier this month, 270 scientists and medical professionals signed an open letter to Spotify to take action against Rogan, accusing him of spreading falsehoods on the podcast. So there you go. Um, I have some mixed feelings and some inner conflict over this. And I will uh, tell you what those are. And I um, would love to hear uh, some of the thoughts of you all on this. Um, so, you know, obviously if you're a regular listener of the show, you know, I'm very pro vaccine. I am a self-described COVID hawk. Uh, I want to do, uh, whatever we can and whatever we have to, to stamp out this, uh, terrible virus, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pro vaccine, I'm pro mask, I'm pro social distancing, I'm pro doing whatever we have to do. And I take COVID very seriously. I see it as an existential threat. Um, and, you know, I don't, uh, when I see these stories in the news about, for example, these, these anti-vax uh, conservative talk show hosts, there's, there's been five or six of them, I think, regional conservative radio talk show hosts who would go on their shows every day and preach their anti-vax COVID denier message and then, uh, get COVID and then end up on a ventilator and then end up dead. You know, um, I mean, I'm, I'm never one to dance on anyone's grave. I wouldn't do that, but I don't, you know, but I don't have any empathy for those people either. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's what they chose to do. And, and, um, the consequence, you know, for not only spreading misinformation, but in their cases, believing their own BS resulted in their deaths. You know, I don't know. You, you make your choice, you know, what's the, what's the expression? You know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Right. So, um, so where I get conflicted though is, so I'm not, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, I think Joe Rogan should be taken off of Spotify. Um, I, I don't know that Joe Rogan is, is anti-vax. I think he's uh, vaccine skeptical. I don't think he particularly downplays COVID other than, again, he's kind of got that attitude of, well, I had it and for me it wasn't a big deal. So again, that's just narcissism, but that's so common in our culture, in our society, you almost don't notice it, right? So, um, but I, I, I don't, you know, it's not as though 
Rogan doesn't go on his show. As far as I know, I haven't seen any evidence of this and say, you know, I don't I don't think you should take COVID seriously. I don't think you should get vaccinated. But part of Rogan's format is having these very open discussions, you know, typically around three hours, he'll bring on a guest. And the thing I the thing that I do like about Rogan and that I respect about him is he has such a natural curiosity that he's able to bring people on and have these, I could not do it. I could not do it. The introvert in me would not allow me to sit with a single person or sometimes a couple of people. He might have a couple of people on at once and have a three-hour uninterrupted conversation. I couldn't do it. Um, But, I mean, I could do a three-hour show. I did do a three-hour show here once when uh, something happened and— it was on a Thursday, and and Ben wasn't able to be here for the weekly die-on, but for some reason there wasn't a replay or something. And and I, I, you know, I think twice now I've done a three-hour show for just for various circumstances that have arisen. But um, so I I can do that. But to sit with the same person for three hours and have a conversation that that doesn't, you know, I mean, it might ebb and flow a little bit, but you know. It doesn't lag. It doesn't drag. It, you know, uh, uh, that would be incredibly challenging for me. So I respect anyone who can do that, who can actually pull that off. That's impressive to me. And he has such a natural curiosity about his guests and about what their interests are and what they're curious about. And um, that is impressive to me. That's not a skill that I... I mean, I, I like to think I'm a good interviewer, but again, I couldn't do what he does. I, I just... That is not in my skill set. So he has people on from what I've seen. You know, he has people on and they have an extended deep dive conversation about these things. And I don't necessarily, if if he has a, a, a guest on, and he has had guests on who are scientists, who are very pro vaccine and who try to explain to him, this is why it's important. I don't necessarily want him to be honest with you to just, agree and say, oh, okay, I get it now. I mean, I kind of want that, but I don't necessarily not want him to push back on anything either. Because I think for compelling content, it's good to have some questioning and some really, are you sure about this? And maybe a little bit of skepticism, right? But I would prefer that even with all of that, that you end up in a place where hopefully we can all agree. And again, I know this is fantasy stuff because we live in the United States of anti-science, but hopefully you end up at a place where we all agree that, yes, uh, we need to deal with this problem, and yes, we should get as many people vaccinated as possible, and no, uh, you shouldn't choose to buy in to crackpot conspiracy theories that you see on fringe websites and YouTube videos instead of having a conversation with your doctor. <laughs> you know, so... Um, Hopefully that's where we can arrive. So I don't know that I quite agree that Rogan is actually overtly spreading vaccine misinformation. I almost don't even know how much it would matter if that was what he was overtly doing, because I feel like from what I've seen, once someone decides that that's just who they are ideologically, it's really hard to move them. I'm not saying you shouldn't try, but it's hard to move them off of that. Um, case in point, our former president, Donald Trump, um, 
I believe most MAGA people, you know, would follow him anywhere. Except there, there apparently is a swath of Trumpers who are not really wild about him being pro-vaccine. I wish he would make more of an effort. I want to see him on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> you know what I want to see? I want to see him on the Joe Rogan experience, talking about the importance of getting vaccinated. Um, Trump is not, a, I mean, uh, Rogan is not a fan of Trump. He's made that clear. Uh, he supported Bernie in the last election. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I, I don't know that, I don't know that Rogan is having a particularly negative effect anywhere. And, um, as far as Neil Young goes, Neil Young can afford to take a stand like this because he knows, he must know. If Spotify is in a position of having to choose between him and Rogan, they choose Rogan. Rogan's their marquee name. But artists make very, very little money from streaming. So it's not going to be a hit to Neil Young's bank account. He's not going to feel it in his wallet if all of a sudden his music is no longer available for streaming on Spotify. And he's a big enough, famous enough musician. It's really not going to affect him at all. He's set. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Hey, Matt. It's Ron. How you doing, bud? Good, Ron. How are you? Very good, thanks. Uh, thumbs up on your father's health and, mm. and his keys and all that stuff. That's good to hear. Um, but I got a question for you now. I guess I try to take in as much information as I can, and then as time goes on, I, I just keep moving it to the back and taking in new information. So people, the majority of the people... In the United States, and you know, it's obviously as worldwide is is important. But let's just say United States are eighty percent or less vaccinated. I wish. Oh God, I wish it was that high. Last I knew, it's not that high. No, I think I think we're only at I think sixty two, maybe sixty three percent as far as at least fully vaccinated. Yeah, which is two shots. Well, then my next question, follow up to that, it used to be. Every day, every article of every newspaper or media uh, post that so many people have died. Well, less people are dying, though, correct? I mean, obviously, there are still people dying, but less people are dying, and that's because of the vaccination? Yes? Well, that helps, but I think also, I think it's a combination of things. Um, obviously, yes, uh, the vaccines help uh, keep people from dying, but also um, Omicron, uh, the newest variant, and hopefully the last one, uh, is uh, is less deadly, apparently less severe, which is helpful too. Um, also, you know, uh, treatments and, and ways to deal with this, um, that continues to evolve. Um but uh, but unfortunately, there are still a lot of people dying and a lot of people, you know, our hospitals are in a terrible situation because we're 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 in a situation now. And, you know, I'm not great at math, but um, but I know that. So you have you have a smaller percentage of people dying with Omicron, but because the spread, because Omicron is so transmissible, you have a smaller percentage of people dying or ending up in the hospital, but that doesn't mean you actually have fewer people dying or ending up in the hospital because it's a smaller percentage, but Omicron is so dominant, uh, much more so than Delta, 
So we're 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 not in a great place. I mean, <laughs> we're getting there. Is the but... virus itself starting to subside, or is it just as strong as it always has been? Well, that's a great. By the way, Mike Sutterth is here. Hello, Mike. Hi there. Feel Thank free to you. feel free to chime in if you have any thoughts Thank on this. Thank you very but, much. I appreciate that. But um, so <laughs> there is there is a level of cautious optimism, Ron, that. With Omicron, because Omicron is less severe, uh, seems to be less severe, that the virus may be, as it increases in transmissibility, because Omicron is so contagious, as the transmissibility increases, the severity might be lessening. Now, if if things go well, what may happen is, and again, there's some very, very cautious optimism that this might be the case, is Omicron might be the last big wave and that with Omicron, we begin to cross that bridge from pandemic to endemic um, because we're never going to get rid of it entirely. But but so so this might work out OK and things might begin to improve because I know that in, in uh, South Africa, for example, where Omicron was first detected, at least heavily, what they saw was a vertical jump uh, in cases uh immediate very very rapid with omicron because it is so transmissible but then when it started to fall that also was uh, a, a very fast decrease in uh, in in infections and we're starting to see that same trend in the united states and new york city and some other places it, it went up really quickly but now it's starting to come down really quickly which is good the nightmare scenario. Well, just just one more thing, Ron, and then I'll, I'll let you respond. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But I, I, I'm interested. I just want to finish the thought. The nightmare scenario. So so that's the that's the optimistically cautiously optimistic scenario. The nightmare scenario is we wake up one day and it's the day after Thanksgiving all over again. Where oh guess what? Here's a new variant. Oh guess what? This one looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it could go that way too. I prefer to err on the side of cautious optimism, but but we'll see. Does the summer have any effect? There used to be a time where they said they think when summer comes that it, you know the, the virus will um, diminish in size. Summer winter have any effect on it at all, or is that just hearsay? No, I I, I believe so because uh, for a couple of reasons. One is in the summertime, respiratory viruses do not spread as easily in the summer. They don't uh, spread as easily in the hot, humid uh, air as they do in cold, dry air, um, which is true of oh, any. No which is yeah, which is true of any respiratory virus. Uh, but the other thing too is in the summertime, people are outside more. Uh, once the weather turns cold, people go inside. And if you're in a room with people who are infected versus being outside with people who are infected, because we now know if you're outdoors in the open air. You know, uh, the you know the virus being transmitted is is unlikely. But if you're in, you know, if if you're in a a, a small room with a bunch of people and somebody's got COVID, well, guess what? Uh, congratulations, you're probably all going to have COVID uh, when you walk out of that room. So the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Cause it's morning. And you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. I got one more final COVID question. Yes. When COVID first became what it is, um, it was said to be created in a laboratory and it was a mistake. And they're saying China. But well, with Omicron, is that... Is that something that's happened naturally through nature, or is that a is that part of uh, COVID? Well, it, it's part of COVID. the The virus just continues to mutate, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 again, the fear is the nightmare scenario is it'll continue to mutate into something worse. But from what I understand, though, interestingly, is that the trajectory, and this is where some of that cautious optimism comes from. It is not unusual, epidemiologists have said, for a virus like this to, as it becomes, as it mutates, it becomes more transmissible, but the severity of it continues to lessen. So, because that, knowing that that is not unusual, it is not inconceivable that, that we may have another variant after Omicron that is even more transmissible than Omicron, but is also even less severe than Omicron. Mm. All right, that's a wrap on the corona thing. You know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm sure I other people feel the same way. You get a, a runny nose or you feel a little down and you can't, you can't help but wonder. But, I mean, how often do you, you know what I mean? You just just say, ah, it's the flu and I'll let it go. And, you know, when I'm not feeling good sometimes, it's like I don't pursue it. And, you know, and it comes and goes. But I, I know there's a lot of fear in everybody for those same same reasons. Now, my next and last final thing, and I'm going to hang up and listen to the radio because I want to hear Mike's reports and knowledge and all of that. I know you guys were busy and you had no chance of watching it, but the tale, um, what do you call it? Um, Dr. Phil today was discussing (laughs) Bitcoin and he had people that said, you know, it's a good thing. And he had other people that said it was a gamble. And uh, there was one person that was on there. It was a little 15 year old girl. She got involved, and I know nothing about what I'm talking about, so I'll repeat it as best I can, but she got involved with something called NTR or something like that. <laughs> NFT. And she had a fascination with the beluga, the beluga wheel, just that's her thing. Yeah. And um, So she made some kind of beluga wheel thing, something or other, whatever it was, Yeah. and um, they introduced it to, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a Bitcoin or whatever. Well, to make a long story short, she, and she was selling the stuff for a hundred bucks a piece or something like that. In 10 hours, she became over a millionaire and then some. Mm-hmm. And thank God, because this this girl, she gave 50000 to the Beluga Whale mm. Fund and then to the uh, oceanography people. And, you know, she gave away a ton of money. But like I say, there were 50% of the people said Bitcoin is a big gamble. And then the rest, the other fifty percent, was saying, "No, it's, it's uh, if you do it with, don't do it out of impulse. Be prepared to what you're doing and mm-hmm. and stuff, and uh, you know, you can make money." And that was it. Like I said, <clears throat> the girl made she was within ten hours, 
She did whatever she did and made a million bucks. We were talking about so, that yesterday. With that being said, I, yeah. I'm going to turn on the radio, and uh, thank you for your time. All right, Ron. Thank you for the call, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, we were. I think Ron meant uh, NFTs. We, we were talking yes. about that on the show yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Lacoste was here with me, DJ Reckless, and we were, we were talking about NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens, and uh, yes. I guess the the Nelk Boys. Are you familiar with the Nelk Boys? I uh, am. Mike? Yeah, I've, oh, you uh, are. I, I put my uh, toe in the water of all of that stuff, and yeah, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned one. I was a finance manager in another part of my career a very long time ago, and got exposed to you know, investments and stuff back with traditional investments, stocks and you know bonds and uh, what was regular currency trading. You know, the the yen versus the dollar and the British pound versus the the Deutschmark, and now I'm dating myself. But, um, <clears throat> so I was familiar with uh, when Bitcoin came out. Uh, I kind of tried to educate myself in it. And, and what uh, I'm sorry, who was the caller? You didn't. I didn't hear the name. Ron. Oh, Ron. Okay. Um, you know, there's it. It's all um, investing is speculation. I don't care if you buy John Deere or General Electric or Apple, and you put your money in there. It's speculation. Yep. They, they they are good guesses. There are good bets. But, you know, some would say it's the same as playing poker, you know, maybe not as crazy as pulling a slot machine. Um, no such thing as a but, sure thing. Yeah, it, it, there really isn't, you know, and then you can play Monday morning quarterback all day long. My dad once said that uh, somebody told him to buy John Deere back in the 50s. And <laughs> he said, uh, you know, I'd be driving a different car right now if that was the case. Right, right. Um, but that, that that's hindsight. And, this, you know, the same thing with Apple or, you know, in the, in the early 80s, you know, like, well, that's a tech stock that that's highly speculative. And, yeah. you know, if you hold on to something long enough, you know, it, I don't want to get into investing theory and all this, but long-term investing is always kind of the the smart side of it. Mm-hmm. But do people like in real estate investing, you know, buy a building and then sell it two months later and get rich? Like the, the scenario, he said this woman, you know, came up with her own currency or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that stuff does happen, but that's no way to make a living, you know? Right. Because the inverse of that happens as well. You know, yes, I put yes. all my money in one direction and, <laughs> you know, I, I bet on Mike Sutterth or Grant Lamp, the musician, and he never took off and I lost all my money. Right. Um, that is more the common scenario. Like any small business that starts, it, it's more common that things fail than they do, you know, uh, because if, if it was a sure bet, everybody would be doing it. Right. And people do make money in cryptocurrency, but it is more common, I believe, uh, and it's why I'm out of the game altogether. Um, it, it's a lot of work, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's a 24-hour game to, to try to watch this stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I dabbled in um, regular currency trading for a while. But it's a 24-hour game. You know, if you, you're looking at the yen versus the dollar, you know, that stuff starts trading in the middle of the night. And yeah. th- that's not stuff I wanted to pay attention to. But uh, it, it does happen. But, you know, the, the, the best way to make money is to work hard. You know, yeah. I, I think my dad taught me that well. <laughs> Is there so? Is there? A, were you hinting that there's a Grant Lampton NFT? No, coming? no, 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 oh. no. <laughs> not not as yet, anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have no financial backers at the moment, other than the folks who are kind enough to pay me when I play. Yeah, uh, but the NFT stuff is it's speculation. It's pure speculation. Yeah. and 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 I'm not to say if you know they always say invest money that you can afford to lose in in those type of directions. You know, yeah. your 401ks and things like this, blue chip stocks. That's one thing. But the NFTs and all of these speculative type of stocks. You got to be prepared to lose that and not whine and moan about it. You yeah, know, like I can't pay my mortgage now because I put, you know, the last year of my salary into an NFT. Um, yeah. Now, now if that happens to you and you can buy a yacht and all, mm. all that, more power to you. But <clears throat> most of us live on an income stream such that, you know, I, I need most all of my income to keep the wheels turning. You know. Yeah. Um, and anything extra I have, yeah, I'm going to travel and you know buy myself something nice to eat. 
The uh, Nelk Boys made, uh, you probably saw this, yeah. $23 million Yeah. On, uh, but that's yeah. a fluke, man. Because it, yeah. it, it, if that was the norm, everybody would be right. doing it. And right. That's really what you have to look at. Um, you know, Elon Musk, they say, is like a fluke. No, he's a very, very intelligent guy. He yeah. Had a heck of a lot of financial backing. I mean, the guy didn't come, you know, he wasn't sleeping under a bridge one day, and then the next day he's, you know, Tesla and SpaceX. It didn't work like that. He was a very, very intelligent guy who worked hard. Yeah. And he had a ton of financial backing, you know. And that's something that, like, I, I couldn't go out and say, hey, you know, lend me $50 million. I have a great idea. Sure, Mike. Sure you do. And uh, <laughs> his uh, Elon Musk's uh, turn hosting Saturday Night Live, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. I really like how he, I, I appreciate him more than ever when he came out, and I don't know if he did do the New York Post or something, but I guess he's um, he's on the spectrum somewhere, if you know what I'm saying. He's, I, um, I didn't know that, but at the same time, I also feel like everyone kind of suspected he might be. Well, and I think he was honest about it, and yeah. he's like, I, it was after Saturday Night Live, and he kind of, he, he, whatever outlet that I heard it from, he's like, well, that's why I'm funny, because I'm quote-unquote funny <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like all right that makes perfect sense now like when i see him and i hear him talk i kind of look at through the lens like he's not like you know a lot of other right. people uh he's he's a little different and you know uh folks on the um I, I i hesitate to touch on this stuff but like the the aba or autism spectrum and there's all kinds of different you know there there's a portion of those that you know they can play Tchaikovsky on the oh, piano yeah. by, after listening to it once, and oh, yeah. you know they have uh, separate part. They have separate talents than you know somebody who say you know your normal you know grade, oh, yeah. grade B person. Um, you can be enormously successful uh, being on the spectrum. There's a, a, a lot of people, right? Like but that, but yeah. but he wasn't you know like the, the the guys you just mentioned. He wasn't you know overnight, right? You know he made a gamble on something and you know it changed his life forever. He he worked yeah. hard and he is a young guy still. Um, but he made a he made his living, and uh, again had an enormous amount of financial backing that he it wasn't his own or his parents, you know. Yeah, it, it was yeah. infused into him. So. I d- I didn't realize until a couple of years ago that uh, I was a huge Talking Heads fan growing up. I love the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that uh, David Byrne uh, is on the spectrum. But Absolutely. It, but again, it's one of those things where you kind of go. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, I I never knew it until a couple of years ago, but at the same time, I was not the slightest bit surprised. Yeah, no, it's it's stopped making sense. There's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, his brilliance is his, he has, he does something that nobody else can do. Right. Or he's unable to do stuff. You know, he probably couldn't work at Walmart, you know, or manage a Home Depot or something. But, you know, can he come up with musical ideas and be project his ideas in a way that, you know, even a musician like myself never could. Um, yeah, he's, he's on the spectrum. You, you got to think like folks like Jim Morrison were too. And, mm-hmm. you know, to that point, you know, Charles Manson probably was too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Depends on how it gets applied, I guess. Right. Well, he's a talented musician, apparently. Mm-hmm. A talented uh, songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> Just the things went awry. I guess. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yes. Yes. Um, Let's see, before we, uh, so in a moment, we'll take a break and uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to Mike Such Economics. but I did see a few um, interesting comments in the Facebook live chat. Uh, Melanie La Liberty from the great state of Vermont, and this this goes back to the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, she says uh, they should have some kind of a disclaimer saying his statements are not based on actual data. Uh, sounds like that is uh, Neil Young's issue uh, with Rogan, uh, or info is shared based on personal opinion disclaimer. Uh, Jeff Nyan in the chat says Neil Young has an estimated net worth of two hundred million. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, these artists make uh, they make very little money from streaming. 
like the, the it's it's that was uh that, that's the like Taylor Swift she's she's one of the people who's openly complained about it yes you know on on Spotify or um uh what's the other big one uh well iTunes or whatever Pandora, you know, they're, they're all, know, Pandora. Pandora that's the one I was looking uh-huh. for yeah yeah they make I mean it's it's uh it's very grim as far as yeah you know. yeah yeah right you know getting a penny or two yeah yeah I don't know if we have the time bandwidth here but I, I wanted to chime in on this which yeah. has nothing to do with our, my next segment here but yeah I I will tell you, you folks out there who know me uh, as a musician I am a huge Neil Young fan I've mm. uh, followed around and seen him a while uh, a few times rather um, I actually got to know one of his photographers through a separate he's actually the guy who photog- uh, photographs the Bruins and the Red Sox in oh. Boston. Uh, his name Steve Babineau, and he actually was one of the tour photographers. So whenever he came to the Northeast, this guy, Steve, who's a good friend of mine, um, he's like, oh, I know Neil, and I know Peggy, and oh. um, he and I uh, got through the years. We started a Neil Young cover band together. Oh, no kidding. Called the Grey Guns, yeah. We covered <laughs> all kinds of Neil Young stuff, and uh, when he played here at the Verizon, he said, come on down to the pit. I got you a stage pass and all this stuff. I was crazy about Neil Young and, and am. I, I play a lot of songs in my solo acoustic sets, and uh, I respect him a lot and mm-hmm. uh, appreciate his electric stuff and his solo acoustic stuff. And when I heard this stuff just this morning about, you know, or actually it was yesterday, you know, it's uh, Neil said it's either Joe Rogan or me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I said, oh, gosh, I hate it when musicians get into politics, you know. And do you? This is, well, I do because, you know, like when the Grateful Dead, like, you know, I'm a Grateful Dead nut and always had been. And back in the day... Um, you know, they, they did a big push to, you know, vote, vote, vote. And like, that's good, right? You know, let's yeah. get everybody to go out and vote. That's one thing. And then they kind of came out that they were like, we're Team Obama. And like, that's great. You got mm-hmm. the platform to do it. That's fine. Um, but I kind of like, gosh, I don't. It, 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 to me, that's like, you know, we like the Cincinnati Reds and hate the Red Sox. You know, that's yeah. like you're a musician and I appreciate your music. So I don't, I don't care that you like the Cincinnati Reds or hate the Red Sox or, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to make an analogy. Um so when I heard this, like, you know, he hates Joe Rogan because of his political views, I'm like, gosh, is that really the platform? And, you know, I, you know, I can't say, you know, it, it, let's say you or I, you know, made a bazillion dollars as a musician or a performer or an actor or actor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be able to restrain myself by saying, you know, uh, my political views are what everybody should believe? It just, it, it seems a little out of place. But, you know, they've, they've got that platform but it, it like he or me, I don't even listen to Joe Rogan. I know his, um, I know his point of view, yeah. and I have heard him. I don't run home from work and listen to it, you yeah. know, and put yeah. on a podcast or listen to it in the car. I know his point of view. It's like Dan Bongino, you know, like I know his point of view, uh, and I know he's extremely popular. And if I see him on TV, I see him. And but, you know, I I don't want to hear him say, you know, I hate the Denver Broncos. Right. I'd be like, like why why are we talking about this? And right. Right. I, I kind of took it like this, and now they're talking about a platform, Spotify specifically. You know, like if, if he wants to pull his stuff off of Spotify, that that that's his prerogative. But yeah, um, it just seems a little broad. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's different than like Betty White being an advocate for you know the ASPCA. Like that's, yeah. that's one thing. But when I hear, you know, who was the female comedian who, like, came out with Trump's head? You know, oh, uh, Kathy Griffin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, what does that have to do with you being funny? You know, yeah. it, it just always kind of. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. 
The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. And of course, you know, that may start with like, well, I was, I had an affinity for Trump at the time and what was she messing with that? But, you know, had she come out with Biden's head, you know, like, like what are you doing? Yeah, you know, that, that's not that's not funny. I grew up in the age where Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and um, I don't know if George Carlin is a good example, but they really didn't. If they beat up on somebody who's tongue in cheek, it wasn't like I hate this approach. And, mm. you know, if you're one of my fans, please listen to what I have to say. And I, I don't see the meshing really well together. It, it bugs me. And yeah. I know a lot of people feel that way. Um, I I personally have never felt that way. I I, I don't I, I don't quite get it. I, like to me, it's just whether I agree with Neil Young or not. I it, it's I don't I, like why shouldn't I guess I just look at it as why shouldn't someone be free to say whatever they want politically? Like you know, my favorite band is Kiss, as you know, and uh-huh. uh, Gene Simmons has said some things politically over the years that just where I went like what like I remember. Uh, he it must have been 2012. He uh, Gene Simmons was saying very very nice things about uh, Rick Perry uh, mm-hmm. at that of time, Texas, the yeah. governor of Texas, um, and seemed to <laughs> seemed to support him. He stopped short of endorsing him, but in some random interview, he said, "I'm telling you, I think Rick Perry would be a great president." And I remember thinking, "Wow, you know," because I personally think Rick Perry is reprehensible, and uh, and I was like, "Ooh," but it doesn't. But it doesn't make me feel like, well, Gene shouldn't say that. I mean, if that's how he feels, yeah, hey, speak your truth, brother. I, like, like it doesn't affect how I feel about him or how I feel about his music or anything. It's just like, okay, well, that's something where Gene and I really disagree. But, right. but, but I don't begrudge him saying it. If if he wants to tell the world he loves Rick Perry, well, sure. whatever, good for Gene, him. So is my sports <laughs> analogy okay? Like if Gene says, like, I'm a Yankees fan. You know, like, that's great, Gene. You're a Yankees fan. I don't know what that has to do with Dr. Love and, right. you know, Christine 16. You know, that, that's why I listen to you. I think I, I, well, I think maybe part of it, too, though. Well, I mean, the sport, I, I get I get the sports analogy. It was. It, it, I'm not a sports guy, so I don't uh-huh. care what team anybody likes. So that, that would never affect me at all. But I'm always kind of curious. I Part of it might be this, why I'm not bothered by it. I'm always so curious about what people think about politics that I I almost even even if somebody says something that I, I just don't understand like I again I at the time and as I say it today I don't understand Gene's affinity for Rick Perry <laughs> but right. but uh, but but um but I'd rather know that I don't know if I'm articulating this quite right but I'd rather know that than not know that about him sure. because because I just think it's interesting because I just think I'm I'm so interested in as part of part of what interests me about politics and why I like discussing politics. I'm I'm always interested in what people think and but also why they think what they think. Yes. So when I read an article where Gene Simmons says that, I not only does it not bother me, I kind of want to know more. Uh-huh. Like it's like, hmm, I wish I could interview him and ask him why. Do you like Rick Perry so much? Because I'm genuinely curious. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. So and, and I think that shows, you know, a depth of um, thinking on your part, which I don't know if it's fair for me to say that most people don't think that way. That's not the right thing to say. But um, you're, I, you're I, right, I, though. I think a lot of people stop at 
oh, well, Gene likes Rick Perry, so I'm done with Kiss. I think there's yeah. that segment of the population. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you know, uh, I loved uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, but I found out he was an Obama supporter, and now I don't like him. I, I think there's <laughs> yeah. that segment of the population. Yeah. I, my, you know, my belief, and I think there's plenty of people like me, is like, why are we talking about this? Like Again, like, I right. don't care that you're a 49ers fan or a— and I'm sorry to use a sports analogy if you're yeah. not, but, but it's, but it's <laughs> no, like, I get well, it use it like a music thing. Like, you know, you know, why, why don't you love Metallica? You and I have talked about the sport, like, yeah. because I don't like Metallica. Well, there's something wrong with you. No, there's not. Yeah. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not as it's just, you know, it's like, you can, it's like licorice or broccoli, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can be, you know, and especially when you're looking from the outside, looking in, yeah. you know, what's important that attracted to this person, you know, we, we all, I love Gene Simmons and Kiss. Uh, I grew up on the stuff and I'm an Ace Freely guy, Yeah, uh, but you know, what his political affiliation or whether he likes oysters or not, or whether he likes the Patriots or not, you know, I'm interested in knowing that and maybe why, but that doesn't make me think, well, they are deficient some right. you know what i mean right did they're they're, they're short-sighted or myopic on on some level of for not understanding the things the way i understand them and right you know th that that when you get in and i try to stay away from this stuff in in my segment with you guys um because it's uh, it's really it's not fair and it's not it's not really worth talking about you know you and i i, I believe down to brass tacks probably have some political differences mm -hmm. um maybe some musical differences or whatever differences and that's that's not what we're here to talk about. It's fun to dance around and, and to find out why. Yeah. Um, but it's the uh, the folks who are, you know, are, are black and white about it, if you will. Yeah. That like, oh, because you know, you're a Yankees fan, so I can't hang out with you. Or yeah, you know, you you like broccoli and I hate broccoli, so there's something wrong with you. Um, and, and when you put this in the political context. It, it is more interesting to find out why, you know? Yeah. Like what motivated you? And it could be because Gene Simmons used to live in California, maybe owns a ranch in Texas, and he pays less taxes. You know, that that's what I'd like to think he, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe they exchange cards and their wives know each other. or Right, in right. G, in Gene's case, many wives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who, who knows? I, You know, but, uh, yeah, so I've never had that thing. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't like Ted Nugent's politics, but... Uh, yeah, does, great example. But it doesn't mean I enjoy the guitar solo on Tail Gunner any less. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. The great white buffalo is great. And, you know, he's eccentric about his po politics, especially yeah. in his older years. Yeah. Um, to the point that, you know, and I, I lean on his side of the aisle, certainly, but... Uh, you know, I think he's a little eccentric in his, his older years now that, you know, hey, watch me shoot a deer and eat it in front of you. And <laughs> like, okay, Ted, you know, can, can we talk about hibernation and the Amboy Dukes and the stuff that I got into you for? Um, you know, whether, whether you want to, you know, take out the mayor of Detroit, it kind of has nothing to do that I love the guitars you play and the music you played, you know, back when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a little bit of effort, but you have to separate that stuff. But it is darn interesting to know, like, well, why do you think that? Ted? Right, right. And, you know, is that the way he was brought up? You know, and if that's his conviction, there's a very slim chance as an adult you're going to change somebody's conviction. You know, mm -hmm. there really is. And you know, if you can be one of these, I'd like to think a fewer, a fewer group of the population that is open-minded enough. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I think I'm open-minded, I'm, I'm probably not. To, to some, at some level, it stops. You know, like. Well, if you wanted to talk straight politics with me, at some point I'm going to say, look, there's nothing you can say that's going to convince me. We can talk about it and have a banter about it, but I, my conviction is my conviction and my beliefs are my beliefs, you know? Uh, yeah, I think you you may sell yourself a little short, though, when you say that, because we, we've had conversations. I mean, 
probably more so off air about political stuff where where you've told me that that you've you've shifted on some things over the years yeah. you know where 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 you have become because i i think you're right like most people i think probably by the age of 30 uh, in both politics and in music, uh-huh. they become sort of uh, almost calcified in, in what they think and what their tastes are. And and and, uh, and I, I think very few people will change their mind. And most people, especially with politics, you know, once they, they pick an ideology, they're solid in that and whatnot. But 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 you, you've told me just, you know, with people you've met over the years mm-hmm. and, and and different ideas that you've been exposed to that, that you've shifted on some things or become more open to things. So. So yeah. I, I think I think you're you're an example of someone who you're not I, I don't perceive you as being because I think most people are sort of by a certain point in life. They're just kind of shut down to any any outside information or anything that conflicts with their pre-existing belief system. Yes. But I, I don't perceive you that way. I, I perceive you as being a much more open minded. And I mean, obviously, you have your core beliefs and you have your values and so forth like everyone does. But 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 I but I also think you're open to to new information. I, I, appreciate, and, I appreciate that. And I, I guess I am. I'm I think what I'm thinking about is when you go into the little booth and, you know, you pull the curtain behind you. Yeah. You know, you're going to do what you're going to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Matt, Ron, <clears throat> one hey, more Ron. thing. Yes. Uh, because you and Mike are both musicians, I'm listening to the, the politics part of this, and I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm in tune. But I have to ask you, did you guys hear on Peter's show today, Katie and her father playing uh, guitar and singing? I heard a little bit. I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but I heard some of it. And, yeah, that was really cool. I um, sh- That was really cool. And yeah. her father reminds me of Mike because he's uh, into the Neil Young and the old, you know, the stuff out of the 70s. And he was just playing his guitar and singing. It was like, wow, they are so good. So that's why I kind of wanted to know if either one of you guys had heard it. That's how good they were. Yeah, I, I heard some of it. Yeah. Who was on the show this morning? I'm sorry. So Katie, uh, I forget Katie's last name. I, I think it's uh-huh. Master something. Master. Yes, yes, I don't know. I forget her last yeah. name. It's a big name. So she she's on the morning show quite often yes. now, and then and then her dad was there too. Oh, that's what and, it is. Okay. And, they, and they both and they both played. And um, she has uh, yeah, she's she's got a, a beautiful singing voice, she very does. very talented. And then and then her dad also, it turns out, very. Ta- I didn't see. It's funny when I first turned on the show, I didn't realize that was her dad. And and then they were, and then I was like, oh my god, oh that's so cool. So they're they're on the show together. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. And they're both into the guitar. I mean, she's been playing since she was fifteen. I mean. Or whatever you know, for years. She's been playing for fifteen years, and and that's all. I, I I really hate to interrupt what you guys were already talking about, but I was so impressed with what I heard today. And you guys both being musicians, I just had to know if you heard it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go back and listen to the, the rest of it later. I will as well. Absolutely. I was going to oh, give good. I know that, that's great. I'm glad to hear you say that. I was going to give okay, Katie. Guys. Thank you, man. I won't interrupt anymore. Thank oh, you. That, that's okay. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. I was going to give a shout out to Katie, actually. Oh. Um, I was at the Puritan back room yesterday. I had a friend of mine, uh, Steph Murphy. Um, she and her daughter were down there, and uh, I got a call from my wife, and she's like, hey, go down and have a uh, slice of pizza with Steph and her daughter. He has this little daughter named Phoenix. So I go down there, and sure enough, Katie, who does work at the back room, um, she was there, and I know her as a uh, server or a bartender there. Uh, only on a first name basis, and she said, "I've got to go because I have radio in the morning." And I, I turned around and I said, "Oh, you're on the radio?" And she said, "Yes, ninety five point three WMNH." 
And I was like, Shazam, <laughs> I am too. She's like, yeah, I'm on the morning show with Peter White. And of course, we got into this long conversation. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, Peter's the one who turned me on to Ween. And, you know, he's uh, the beau of my ex-wife and, you know, lovely guy and don't have a damn bad thing to say about him. And she's like, wow. And she, we, I had to tell her the whole story. And she told me her story. And But I'm sorry I didn't know it was this morning. Yeah. Uh, but but she's a very, very sweet, normal woman. And I, I, forgive me for saying normal. <laughs> it sounds like when you call somebody normal, it's not a, it's not a compliment sorry katie if you're listening <laughs> but you, she's very sweet like um you know um very approachable and i, I was very pleased so i was going to give her a shout out tonight if she's listening oh very I nice said, yeah i'm going to be on with maddie on tuesdays and uh if you ever care to listen and occasionally on with uh dear rob acevedo yes yes very cool very cool by the way melanie uh she was listening to the morning show and points out too that kyle got tasered uh, this morning, and it was fantastic. No doubt. <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea, but I was listening to it. Uh, quite entertaining, yes. Well, here's what we're going to do. So uh, we're going to take a, because uh, it's already 530, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to show some love to our amazing sponsors so we can pay the bills, and then we will come back. And uh, Mike Sutterth is here. We're going to do some tweakonomics, so uh, don't go away. More to come. Come on down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. Bring your kitchen to life with Queen City Cabinetry, located at 87 Elm Street in the historic Sunbeam Mall in Manchester. Open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They can be reached at 603-222-2007 or on the web at queencitycabinetrynh.com. Come see the possibilities. Queen City Cabinetry, another proud sponsor of WMNH. This hour on WMNH is sponsored by CGI Business Solutions, located at 5 Dartmouth Drive in Auburn. They serve all your business needs, including employee benefits planning, corporate design and business administration, investments and wealth management, and customized business insurance solutions. Their phone number is 866-841-4600 or on the web at cgibusinesssolutions.com. Are you looking for a job with great benefits, flexible hours, and competitive pay? Then visit us at DonutJobs.com. Do you love working with people, a fast-paced environment, and having fun at work? Then visit DonutJobs.com. NGP Management is a large Duncan's franchise with stores throughout New Hampshire, and we are currently hiring for all positions. Who doesn't love free donuts while you work? Visit us at DonutJobs.com to apply today. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. 
privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. WMNH, rip the knob off. Everybody, welcome back. It's Matt Connerton Unleashed as we cruise into our last half hour. We are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And of course, hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. You can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, today is a Tuesday, January 25, 2022. Well, this month is flying by. Jeez. And uh, of course, I want to remind you, we are proudly sponsored by the Hopknot on Elm. They've got the delicious gourmet pretzels, the craft beer. They've got uh, trivia night every Thursday night hosted by the great Bill Cini. Lots coming up for 2022. Don't go there today because Monday and Tuesday is their weekend, but they are open Wednesday through Sunday. It is a great place. Uh, if you have uh, anything you'd like to contribute to the upcoming discussion, 603-250-6007 is the number, 603-250-6007. You can also text me at 617-917-4476, tweet me at Matt Connerton, or send an email to matt at mattconnerton.com. And, of course, you can interact and opine in the Facebook live chat. But the best thing to do so that we can hear and enjoy your dulcet tones is give us a call at 603-250-6007. And Mike Sutterth is here at the news desk. And uh, he's uh, ready for some tweakonomics. He's got the – I notice uh, you're more organized uh, than you used to be. You've got, like uh, – uh, a little uh, setup there with the notes and everything. Yeah, yeah. I tried using an iPad uh, a couple of times and a, a little notebook. I, it seems to work easier with these sticky notes one by one. <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know, from the 80s and 90s when I made my money in the in the working world. And, yeah. you know, we had sticky notes everywhere. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you could look across the street in Boston to the windows and everybody had <laughs> sticky notes covered. Right. So it seems to work well for me. And I'm glad you noticed because I, I do try to make an effort here and, and try to uh, prepare and, have something uh, 
coherent as HEO. Very good, very good. Well, uh, I will uh, go ahead and hit the music if you're ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Good evening, Manchester and around the world and wherever y'all are listening to WMNH 95.3. My name is Mike Sutter. This is Tweakonomics on Matt Connerton's Unleashed. And I am quasi-educated in the field of economics. And tonight, I'm going to get a little weird with you guys. Uh, I did have the opportunity to uh, travel as a young man, both uh, for school and for work. I went to uh, school for a couple of years in Frankfurt, Germany, and had the opportunity to work both in Oxford, England, and uh, just outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And so but some of the stuff that I'm going to bring up to you guys here tonight, just to try to uh, poke your interest, I do have a little bit of... Um, Experience when I was younger, so I, I just didn't read the stuff in a magazine. And of course, the the topics I'm going to uh, speak about tonight are, are current stuff. But uh, you know, I was in Germany back when there was an East Germany and a West Germany, and you know, we all thought we were going to be bombed into obliteration by the Russians and this and that. And it's uh, really interesting now um, what's going on. And and I was going to talk, you know, I try to talk about economics and the goofy stuff about economics here in America, but I got to tell you, I'm bored to tears right now with um, what's going on, the big sell-off in the markets, and, um, you know, I'm not going to bring up the I word, um, if you know what that is, and oh, that's, I think we beat that dead horse. Um, so we're going to talk about some global stuff here, and if you would, please, uh, Matt did mention the number to you, 603-250-6007. If you want to jump in here, again, I just like to try to spark a topic and I, uh, there's going to be some political stuff that uh, I'm going to mention here. And I'm not uh, advocating for one way or the other other than to just try to start a conversation, uh, which undoubtedly will happen. So let's go immediately uh, over to Western Europe or Eastern Europe or somewhere thereabouts, Ukraine. We've got over 100,000 troops amassing on the border of Ukraine. And um, I don't mean to chuckle at that, but it's a, it's a power play by the Russians. Um, you know, if you want to group it under one person, they say Vladimir Putin, but you know, there's, uh, it's not just him. Uh, it's the whole Russian army that is amassing on the Eastern border of Ukraine. If you know anything about, um, geography, um, Eastern Ukraine is, uh, actually Russian speaking mm -hmm. and, uh, somewhat loyal, um, or have positive feelings towards the Russian government and the Russian people yeah. because moms and grandmothers and grandfathers and folks like that came from there. The other, the western part and the central part of Ukraine, uh, Kiev and to the west, um, is more of a fiercely patriotic and, um, you know, feels like folks who went, uh, like the Polish people with perestroika and yeah. that type of stuff, that they still have a very fresh one generation feeling of we're independent and fiercely independent, we're Ukrainian, we're not Russian, just like the Poles are and Polish. They're, the, and they're uh, ready to fight. Yeah, and, and, and fight to the death, you know, because yeah. they, they, within one generation, know, hey, my uncle was abducted by the Russians and they did some pretty terrible stuff to him. And, you know, the um, I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but, you know, the Russians uh, don't give two hoots about the Geneva Convention, right. if, if you know what I mean. I don't want to bore you with that stuff. <laughs> but, but if they get you, they do some pretty weird stuff to you. Uh, it's not that they, they throw you in Gitmo and, you know, let you rot there with a TV and a laptop. Um, so here we are. We've got 100,000 plus uh, Russian troops on the border of Ukraine. We've got, um, so our president's response, Ms., uh, President Biden said, okay, in a response, just, you know, you have to play the saber rattling battle here. We've uh, got 8,500 troops on high alert in America. So let's do the math. I'm not good at math either, <laughs> Maddie, but <Yeah. laughs> 100,000 versus 8,500. 
you have to think like Vladimir Putin's like, oh, that's very nice, very nice. You you got eight thousand five hundred. <laughs> if that's a Russian accent, I don't know, but um, it, it's it's to me is somewhat trivial. Um, so the the chess game, you know, we're what I think uh, the analogy was like. Gosh, we're playing checkers; they're playing chess, like multi-dimensional chess, <laughs> and we're playing checkers to be like, all right, well, we've got eight thousand five hundred troops red, uh, on high alert. They've already got a hundred thousand plus troops there. Um, and I try to, you dial it back and you think, okay, are, are they going to invade it? Like, are they, is this a land grab or is this really a, a buffer zone? Um, and after hearing some stuff and reading up on some stuff, I don't think they are trying to grab the country of Ukraine. Like they did Crimea, uh, which isn't a, you know, that's a territory. I don't think it's a country, but, uh, they did take Crimea. I don't know that their, uh, intention and, uh, please call in and correct me if I'm wrong is to take over Ukraine. I think they want a buffer zone uh, because now is the right time with our current American administration and military situation and maybe what happened after Afghanistan, put it all together. Maybe now is time that Vladimir Putin and and his cabinet are saying, hey, maybe we could use like a 1,000-mile buffer because NATO is a big thing. You know, NATO is a thing that that's what's knocking on Russia's door. Yes. You know, if something were to go awry. um, and everybody, you know, any intelligent uh, world power has to have this in the back of their mind. <clears throat> so I, I, you know, I'm not looking at, you know, Jen Psaki said today that, you know, let's be clear here that Russia is the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if Canada amassed 100,000 troops on, you know, North, the North American border here with America, we would think that's aggression. But I, I think I'm smart enough and have lived long enough to think that he just... I don't know that he is actually here for a land grab. I, I think he might be doing some saber-rattling saber well, that, and, and wants a buffer. That's what I think, too. I My prediction through all this has been <clears throat> I do not believe he's actually going to invade because I think it would be unless he's getting some very bad advice, and, and we know from history that happens. It's happened here. It happens in other countries, too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes leaders make uh, bad decisions based on bad advice they're getting from advisors and so forth. But I, uh, it, it will be disastrous for him if he invades um, because, uh, first of all, the response, I mean, if that pipeline... Uh, Nord Stream. Nord Stream, thank you. Yes. I can never remember the name. You know, if that gets shut off, that's going to be very damaging to the Russian economy. Um, and, uh, and it's not going to be easy. You know, as, as you were pointing out, um, there are parts of... Uh, it, it's not going to be as simple as just grabbing Crimea from, from Ukraine. Amen. And... Um, and and so it's 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 going to be a fight. It's going to be very bloody. And I believe that um, no, I think he's after something else. And I think he's after some sort of concession from the West. And and obviously he knows um, as a negotiating tactic, you know, this maximalist demand that we're going to say, okay, fine, we will never bring Ukraine into NATO. Obviously, that's a non-starter. And I agree with the president for being clear on that, that, you know, you you can't allow Russia to dictate to us who gets to be in our club. You know, that is unacceptable. So I, I think that um, I, I think that hopefully the administration can find some sort of off ramp yeah. to offer Putin, because I think that's what he really wants. I think Putin wants to be able to say, look, I got this from NATO. Mm-hmm. I got this from from the Americans. They're going to pull out uh, X number of missiles I guess at one point Putin was publicly saying that we have missiles in places where we don't actually have them in Europe. And it's like, 
okay, so what, what is he then going to claim that he got us to take them out when they were never there? Yep. Something like that. But um, but I I agree with you. I hope that we're right. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah, but I, I don't think I mean, he's going in. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, um, our generations have lived through. You know, as I mentioned, when when I went to high school in Germany, it was when I went to East Germany for a few days. Uh, East Berlin, excuse me. Um, and you know there there were billboards. You know, anti-American billboards, and it was uh, it you know statues of Lenin and all this which weren't threatening. It was just a different country. You know, Germany was a different country. Western Germany was to me at that point. But there was definitely the, the threat and the propaganda of if somebody could hit the button and we could all be obliterated. Right. And it didn't happen. And I, I like to think that that's embedded, you know, to somebody like me, you know, of my age, it's embedded in me that I'm glad we're not there anymore. Yeah. And, and that there are other <laughs> options. And, you know, that that's just not like the first or second option is to you know, global thermonuclear warfare right, right. is not the first or second option. Um, and he's smarter than that. You know, I, I like to think that Vladimir Putin, you know, for, for whatever differences, and there are a heck of a lot of differences. It, when I was reading up on this stuff last night, uh, preparing for today, you know, Russia is a uh, almost exclusively a Caucasian uh, nation, Yeah, which maybe that has nothing to do with it. It's just that they are, they think differently. They are not a... a um, immigrant types, you know, like England or even mm-hmm. Germany, um, that, you know, they've incorporated other, um, nations into their own nation. And, you know, they're getting uh, I hate to say globalist because that, that, um, makes my skin crawl, but, um, that they, they are integrated into a global economy mm-hmm. and, and a global, um, global economy. That, that, that's pretty much what it is. If, you know, we, we've got to, we do work with, uh, other countries and, you know, the European union is, is a great thing. It's very weird. Um, and we're going through our own struggles here in America with that, but Russia's not like that. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that they're bad for doing that. This is, you know, the older I get, I have to try to make an effort, like how do they think, you know, and how they perceive stuff. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's very different than the way we perceive things. Um, and, we, you know, the next point I was going to make here, it's really um, interesting with the Nord Stream that, that you mentioned, the, the, get, the pipeline that's coming from Russia to Germany. Germany's a part of NATO now. And Germany is on the sidelines here saying, we're not going to do boo because they're paying, uh, their energy prices have spiked like ours. And, you know, globally it's gone up. But they are uh, um, in a very interesting position that, you know, they don't want any conflict. Um, and there are less American forces in Germany. Like when I went to school, there were t- there were American bases all over the place. Yeah. And at least the kids, you know, I was a kid, 16, year old, 16 years old when I was over there. They weren't real happy about it. And course i was young and didn't understand but um the germans are you know this is where we get our energy from almost exclusively you know other than the north sea um yeah oil drilling they do they're in a in a tough spot yeah i mean they're they're kind of the the dissenters right now in nato on that point yes and and france too because i think uh, germany yeah they don't want to they don't want to have to shut off that pipeline in france i think actually I, i forget what macron said macron disagreed with uh uh, Biden with on Biden, something. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember exactly what it was about, though. Do you? Well, I believe it was about the en- the energy. Uh, was it the um, same about the uh, paradigm or what have you? The the situation with the energy that you know maybe um, he doesn't want any uh, any more grief than I don't know where they get their energy from exclusively. Yeah, but, but they, they're close to that, and this is going to be really um, interesting. To get to my next point here, because I know we're getting close on time, and I got a bunch of stuff that I wanted to get through. Yeah. Um, 
and we already did this. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, Germany in particular, and um, it, it reminded me of looking back at history. And you know, they say if you don't recognize history, it repeats itself, or it's important to study history. I'm a big student of history, and I like it. And when stuff like this happens, I like to go back and look at it stuff like that was maybe similar. And I came up with the the situation of the Suez Canal back in the '50s after the war um, that the British and the French owned, mm-hmm. and um, Eisenhower uh, stepped in and said, uh, "No, I'm going to protect the sovereignty of the Egyptians." Um, and the Suez Canal belongs to the Egyptians, and that's what some historians that I read up on said. That was pretty much the end of the the Grand British Empire and the and mm. the French Empire, in that America stepped in and said, "No, um, this is or isn't going to happen." Yeah, and that was you know one of the beginnings of America starting to rise and dictating to the West that like, no, this is what's going to happen, and the diminishing. And I'm speaking extremely broadly here, but you know, kind of the end of the British Empire, ah. uh, kind of dictating, well, no, this belongs to us. And Eisenhower was to say, no, it doesn't. This is how this is going to work out, which is really weird. Like, this would be like us saying, you know, it happens in Israel and stuff. We have our fingers all over that sure. stuff. Um, but for the most part, we don't, you know, we tried it in Afghanistan, and it, it's too darn soon after that debacle to, <laughs> to say, like, hey, let's go and try to fix this somewhere else. Uh, we've got our own problems. Yeah. But uh, looking back at what happened uh, to the English and the French with the Suez Canal in the 50s, pretty much was their last world stage, you know, I guess other than the Falkland Islands, which was, you know, basically a street fight, you know. <laughs> we have a call. We'll grab this quickly. Hi, welcome to Matt Connors and Unleashed. Who's this? Hey, Matt. It's Mike Doyle. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Hey, Mike. Hey, just quickly, just take this whether you're going to, whether it's coincidence or not. Keep in mind that when Russia was active in and taking in the territory of Crimea was during the Biden-Obama stage, and now there was nothing for four years during Trump, and now Biden's in there, and now he's at it again, looking to buy another piece, looking to uh, take over another piece of the territory. And the biggest part of it is, why did Biden, one of the first things he did was drop the sanctions on Germany, the, for the completion of the the Nordstrom pipeline, he allowed that to happen. And I don't know if you remember last year, there were a lot of Democrats, like Tim Kaine and Gene Shaheen, and there were a lot mm-hmm. of them that mad he did that. That he Sa- dropped those sanctions on Germany, saying, "Go ahead, you can finish the pipeline now." Sanctions and, on and Germany. Lot, so I don't know, just coincidence or a coincidence, or is he just making all the wrong moves? I guess is the question. No, you raise some important points, Mike, and, and uh, having studied on this stuff here, you're absolutely right. I believe the sanctions were on Russia, correct? Yeah, I don't that know he, about that. Why no, would there be sanctions on Germany? They weren't. They were, they, I believe they were on Germany. Why would we they have... Had put, they had put sanctions on Germany so they wouldn't com- have the completion of the pipeline into Germany. And so they were holding Germany hostage, saying, you can't finish that. And, you know, because I don't think... What, what are they going to do against Russia? I mean, Russia's just going to say... we. we you know, we're going to go as far as we can go until somebody tells us we can't go any farther. Right. But I think it was, I believe it was sanctions against Germany huh. saying, if you complete this pipeline, then we're going to take these sanctions up against you. But we'll, we'll you know, that's what Trump had put in place. Um, and um, he dropped them. One of the first things he did there. That's right. You know, he, same he, he allowed as, it to same go as on. Our pipeline, same, same as our pipeline, too. By executive order, I think that's uh, one of the I, things he did. Right. I see. I, I right. see what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Reuters, uh, yeah, the U.S., uh, 
imposed further sanctions. Well, it, it's too much to get into right now, but I know, yeah, I, know probably, I know what just, you're I know what you're talking some, about. Some, yeah, just some some moves that you scratch your head and you say, "Well, yep. is this coincidence or does Russia see weakness right now in, in a president?" Yep. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that from left or right. I'm just saying well, he did it once before. Uh, I appreciate it. I suspect you are, Biden. but <laughs> well, no, I, I I appreciate him pitching it like that because it, it it is a fact or or a coincidence maybe that in the last you know yeah. four years before. Uh, there wasn't anything. Um, there was also, and this is a whole other branch on the tree, but, you know, uh, the Chinese weren't talking about taking Taiwan uh, when Trump was in office that, that I heard of. Um, and, right. now, and now it's here. And again, is this coincidence or is the timing right that, you know, uh, maybe America's got their hands full um, and now's the time to yeah. at least test if, the waters with this stuff? If you're, if you're after something, you creep as far as you can go till somebody slaps your hand and says no, you know? <laughs> and so... I guess that's the theory, but anyways, just I just wanted to throw that out there as 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 kind of odd odd circumstances. No, so, I, I I appreciate it because I had notes to that effect, and I I, I didn't want to yeah. get political, but you know, is that is is that coincidence or is that a fact? You know, and that Biden has I, has deals I, with the Ukraine and the Russians and the Chinese. Yeah, uh, they can't be denied. It'll also allow if they take over Ukraine, it'll also allow access to the Black Sea. Uh-huh. So. Um, you know that's that's another way they of a port they could get from Eastern Europe, uh, Western Europe. Well, we don't think so it's gonna that's, we we don't think it's gonna happen. What do you think, Mike? We don't think Putin's gonna do that. I, I don't know. I, I hope NATO has enough pushback. I'm hearing Germany's out, yeah. but I'm, I'm hoping the other there's set there's six countries that surround Ukraine that are all NATO. So I'm hoping they, but albeit small. Um, I don't know. I think I agree. I don't think it's gonna happen only because. I think he's just trying to show his flex his muscles and he's trying to wait to see when Biden will say, all right, that's enough. You know what I mean? He just, he's just creeping and creeping and I don't know, but uh, sure. we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens yeah. from what I, one last point from what I understand, the main reason he took those sanctions off Germany was because he thought that Trump telling places like Germany, NATO people like Germany, they had to pay their bill because mm-hmm. they weren't paying their 2% of GDP. That's true for protection, mm-hmm. you know, and there were a lot of countries that didn't, and Trump went over there and said, hey, pay your bill. He was trying to make nice-nice with Germany and say, all right, listen, I'm going to take these sanctions off you, but I don't know if he realized down the road what it would cause as far as Russia, or, you know, the fuel situation, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. just, just kind of interesting notes, that's all. It's definitely interesting, and uh, it's a yeah. interesting time to be alive and watch this stuff kind of real time. Um you know, I, Afghanistan yeah. never turned I, I, me I, I, on. I don't want conflict I, as a form of entertainment. But yeah, means. me either. Unless something really happens, like an actual war breaks out. Uh, you know, because if you remember when Trump started, they're all saying he's going to get us into a war for sure. That never happened. Not only did it not happen, he had Middle East countries signing peace agreements to try to broker oh. peace agreements. Mike, but it's just anyway. going to be a small, what do you call it, incursion? <laughs> I think it's what he yeah, called it. Yeah, small incursion. Yeah, yeah. A small okay. incursion. Anyways, all right. Well, you got you got to wrap up. I just wanted to throw that in there. Thanks, guys. All right, all right Thank Mike. You, Mike. Thanks for the call. Uh, by the way, I'll just throw this in. Uh, DJ Midas is in the chat room and says there were a ton of people pardoned by Trump connected to Russia. Coincidence? Mm. But anyway, <laughs> did you want to? Do you want to get one more quick thing in? We got about we got about five minutes. Well, no. Uh, Mike had uh, had mentioned, and and I did take some notes that. 
you know, and again, I don't want to bash on Biden or pump Trump or either way, but, you know, there was the, the time that, uh, gosh, I, I, I think they impeached him for a quid pro quo, uh, quid pro quo um, with Russia, but yet we have that on film with uh, Biden and, and the Russians or the Ukrainians anyway, that, you know, uh, you want a million bucks or whatever it was, you have to fire the prosecutor and, you know, so they fired the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter and they got the million bucks and, you know, that, that seemed to me to be the same thing if it was what Trump was doing or wasn't doing. Um, but that also, you know, his, I think hunt, I think hunt, I think that's taken wildly out of context, by the way. <laughs> well, well, well please, please tell me, you know, I'm open to this. This is what I, you know, had heard through the media and whatever. Else no, there's 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 a tape of Mike Doyle likes to bring this up, too. Yeah, there's the, no this tape of Biden openly speaking about how mm -hmm. because the uh, the Ukrainian prosecutor was corrupt and and Biden said, you know, as an emissary of the Obama administration, unless you get rid of this corrupt prosecutor, uh, we're not going to give you any more help. And then, you know, Fox News and everybody takes that and says, oh, see, uh, Biden was this was out in the open. Mm -hmm. So. But what was the um, accusation of him being corrupt, that he was taking money from. Somebody, I don't or? I don't remember the details, mm -hmm. but but then everybody on the right shoehorns Hunter Biden into it and says, oh, he was protecting his kid when there's no evidence. I remember. I mean, at one point, Fox News just completely dropped that whole narrative because there was no there was no evidence to support that. Right, they just kept playing the the clip. But it's a right wing. Thing. It's a right wing talking point that oh, this was all about Hunter Biden. It had there's no evidence it had anything to do with it. Sure, sure. Well, just yeah. like you know, there was no evidence of uh, any streetwalkers going tinkle on Donald Trump in the in a hotel room in Russia. I, as far I, as I know, agreed, agreed. <laughs> yeah, they like was that we, you know, <laughs> folks even, on my side of the aisle say, well, that was fabricated. Yeah, like well, I, I didn't see the tape of it and see the pictures, so maybe yeah. it was. I, I can only think that it was fabricated. And and to your point on you know if this uh, prosecutor was corrupt, um, you know if I I don't know if that was true or not. I'll I'll you know Fox News at the time was who I was listening to. Yeah, twenty four seven, and you know they they would say you know the, you want to talk about a quid pro quo. He's saying like hey if you want to you want the million bucks you know fire the prosecutor, right. and that's what happened. And of course we were all pulling our hair out on my side of the aisle that. You know, well, that's quid pro quo, but, you know, there, there's zero backstory or zero periphery, you know, information on that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we go, do mm. you have any shows coming up as Grant Lampton that you want to plug? Um, I don't have anything booked coming up. I oh. did uh, enter into, uh, I had a conversation with the folks from Shipyard Brewery up in Portland, Maine. Oh. Um, with one of the folks who runs all of the breweries and they've got breweries down in Florida. Most of them are up in Maine here. Um, and I've got a, a line on that stuff. And I've got some fingers in the fire here, but uh, nobody's pulled the trigger yet. But that'll happen. And I do want to do a shameless marketing plug. If I didn't oh, last yes. week, because we had kind of a truncated show, um, who was on here last? Uh, uh, John Hopwood John was Hopwood, with us. Yeah. And, yeah. So that ate up some time. But I, I played uh, at the Shaskeen last Tuesday, and I wanted to say hello to Mike and, uh, and Neil, two folks over there who got me in there, and I had a lovely time playing. And, um, Everything went over really well, and uh, I hope to be back there soon. But, uh, Excellent. Yeah, to get a date there. But those guys are really wonderful to me, and appreciate playing for them. That was a long show, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, yeah. Jeez. Good stuff. All right. Well, we, we have a caller, but we really don't have time. We got to go. So All right, man. If you miss any part of today's show, it'll be up in just a little bit at WMNHradio.org and at my website, mattconnerton.com. Mike Sutter, Dr. Mike, as uh, my dad likes to call you, and I think Mike Pelopita calls you that now, too. He does. And hello to you, Martin, <laughs> if you're listening. It's good to hear from you, sir. I'm glad you're out of the... Uh 
asylum, though. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just glad we got his car keys. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God. What a saga that was. All right. That's going to do it for us for now. I'll talk to y'all a little bit later. Bye, everybody. Ciao. Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bath Fitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bath Fitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.